steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. To the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today we are taking a look at your Minnesota Vikings road matchup with the Carolina Panthers. Yes, the Vikings are facing Sam Darnold and Matt Rule this weekend uh, with an opportunity to move back to the 500 market three and three and go into the buy on a high note, the, the minor winning streak, if you will, back to back victories. Um, this opportunity, however, comes with a greater price than last week. Um, of course, Carolina a little bit more, uh, let's say, playoff prepared uh, than the Detroit Lions. So the Vikings will have a little bit more of an opportunity here to show what they're worth. Um, I guess a quality opponent and, you know, get, uh, get a big win here heading into that bye week, like I said before. So we'll go through here, um, take a look at the Panthers, a couple areas where the Vikings may be able to expose some weaknesses, and then we'll make our picks for the game and then as well um, as the rest of the NFL, and then we'll get out of here. So that is the game plan for today. Let's hop right into it here with Carolina offense, which, as I said at the top, headed by Sam Darnold, first year in Carolina. Of course, a former first-round pick, a highly touted prospect as well that kind of flamed out with the New York Jets organization. Uh, People wanted to blame uh, his performance on Adam Gase. This has kind of been the case study test to see if that, in fact, was true. And Sam Darnold, I mean, you're starting to see the talent a little bit more consistently. Uh, They're putting together some wins. It seems like he's got some chemistry with his receivers, specifically DJ Moore. Basically a brand new quarterback. We can kind of throw out the film from New York, right? I mean, yes and no. Um, I think the last two weeks, you've kind of seen water find its level a little bit when it pertains to Sam Darnold. Obviously got the hot start, um, and that was what everybody thought right away was, well, okay, the Jets are kind of what ruined him. Um, you're kind of, the last couple of weeks, it's been a little bit more ugly. He put up some garbage time numbers against Dallas in that game, but really the first couple of quarters there were, were kind of ugly. And then uh, last week against Philly was another kind of weird game. Uh, offense was not a lot to be had there by either side up until the end there for Philly. So yes and no, I think the jury's still out, which is weird to say about a guy that's in his fourth year in the NFL. Um, but I think that's where I kind of stand on him. I don't, I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. I kind of lean no at this moment still. Um, but he does have the opportunity to prove us still, uh, you know, with Carolina this season, obviously the hot start is great, but, um, you know, this is like, for example, this is a game against the Vikings, a team that hasn't proven to be too much this year at home. Like you go in and get this win. If you're a, a franchise quarterback to be trusted and Sam Darnold needs to prove that. Absolutely. So a three and two record to start for Carolina. That kind of is the, the edge that I think people, you know, are excited about with Sam Darnold. He's never never had a winning record before, and really it, it starts there top to bottom. I mean, if you look at the stats, uh, volume numbers specifically, um, you know, not incorporating math algorithms and efficiency rating and all these, you know, imp, you know, new stats, Sam Darnold doesn't look great on paper either. It's really 
a reputation thing based off of a couple of nice wins and a rushing, per, you know, some kind mm-hmm. of ridiculous rushing numbers, to be honest with you. He led the league in touchdowns prior to week five, I think, right? Yeah, in rushing touchdown, which is absurd, right? Especially if you think of the player that is Sam Darnold. I mean, I don't think many of us think of him as a lightning quick, you know, Lamar Jackson type rusher. He's just kind of right place, right time, sort of like Tom Brady, to you know, to be honest with you. And when you have five of them in, what was it, three weeks, people are going to talk about it. They're going to start coming up with nicknames for you and a lot of different stuff. And then if you don't really do anything over the next two weeks, all of a sudden your numbers come back down to earth and you're sitting at 1,300 yards, six touchdowns, six interceptions, and it just doesn't look that impressive anymore. That being said, uh, he does have some weapons here in Carolina. And I do think, you know, I don't think Sam Darnold is as good as his draft pedigree suggested one time, you know, years ago. Um, I think this is a guy that could have gone number one overall, right? Mm-hmm. When I think of a player who is, you know, a number one overall talent, I don't think of what Sam Darnold is. He's a good player, a quality player. I don't think he's a franchise changing player. I don't think that he is, you know, a la Kyler Murray. I don't think he's like Patrick no. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. I know not all these guys were taken, you know, one, 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 two, one, three, whatever in the draft. But these are guys who are literally like shape-shifting their franchise, changing the culture, you know, people are building around them. Sam Darnold's cool. Uh, he's a nice, you know, a nice stopgap that has the potential to be potentially a little bit even better. But I don't think anyone in the NFL right now, including Matt Rule, is sold on the idea of Sam Darnold as the long-term, you know, next five years. I don't think anyone right now is expecting that Sam Darnold is that guy just yet or ready to hand him that title um, to that, you know, to that point either. Yeah, and I mean, I, I do like the risks that the risk that Carolina made here because if you know, oh, great risk. If the, they had before, for sure, right? Because if the if the Jets are um, that bad at building a team, you know, and that's holding back Sam Darnold, and you kind of want to see if you can do it yourself and build that team, put in, uh, you get Joe Brady in there to work with Sam Darnold, one of the better offensive minds. Um, suddenly, you know, you think you might have something. You want to, you don't want to miss out on that opportunity. So I like the chance that Carolina took. Um, I just, you know, I, I, like you said, I have the same doubts about his ability. Um, I don't think he's that elite guy that will carry your franchise to contention for a Super Bowl. Like, and I think he's in that same Kirk category where it's like he'll, he could be good, like a good enough quarterback to keep you competitive for most of the season, fighting for a playoff spot. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think he'll have enough of that. Um, talent enough of that game breaking ability enough of that uh, kind of uh, you know that next level talent to carry you into multiple playoff wins in a season and eventually the Super Bowl so uh, but you know as it pertains to him making money and getting that a big contract moving forward this is one of those important games for him to be honest this is one of those that you know, if he's going to get that uh, kind of big time payday where he's making 20, 30 million a season, uh, which is still realistic for him. I believe um, this is the type of game that you win. Cause if he can come up this year and, with Carolina and find a way to get to 10 wins, you know, I think, I'll, I think right. teams will be wanting his services. This is one of those games that you win. Yeah. So as it pertains to this individual matchup with the Minnesota Vikings specifically, you're right. This is a game that the team Carolina needs to win if they think they are, you know, what their record through what three, four weeks said yeah. they were right. It, I will team. say this about Carolina. It, it's, to me, it's a little bit reminiscent of uh, the Vikings 2016 um, in the sense that 
the Vikings were five and zero to start that year. This Panthers were three and zero, but it seemed like you look at both teams. You know, the Panthers' defense statistically right now is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got the, all these turnovers, um, and they're it's almost not sustainable in a way. The Vikings were kind of not sustainable when you look back at 2016. Obviously, all the injuries happened, and that kind of took the spotlight. But they were winning games in 2016 by an unreal amount of turnovers. They were scoring like defensive touchdowns every week or points on defense every week. Um, so that in the, in that way, this Panthers team feels like that where offensively, they're not that they're not putting up a bunch of big numbers. Um, and I think they're going to fall back to earth as kind of a middling team because, you know, they got cut, they got hot. They played some weaker opponents to start the year. And now they're going to kind of, um, I think it's, it has the same vibe to that 2016 Vikings team. Yeah, it does feel like they're going to come back down to earth. And really what it comes down to for me with Sam Darnold, at least at this point, and I'm not putting, I'm not saying that he can't become an elite quarterback or at least a very, an even better version of what he is now, which I would say is basically an above average serviceable quarterback. I think he can improve on that. I think he can become a top tier ish. Like he's got the potential to do it, but as it stands right now, I think that he's a good player that takes advantage of opportunities, might make a mistake here and there that you could take advantage but really he's kind of like a light Kurt Cousins where it's, I feel like I'm always comparing opposing quarterbacks to Kurt Cousins, but he's like a light version in the sense that he's not uber talented. He's not like a scheme breaker with his arm, right? Like you don't need to like scheme around the fact that he can beat you over the top. And with these ridiculous throws like Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, you know, Patrick Mahomes, obviously he's not a scheme breaker in the sense where he's going to beat you laterally with his rushing ability or be able to go North South on you when you don't want him to go North South you know, like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. etc. He's just kind of, you know, that middle tier pocket passer that gives you an opportunity to win when windows open up, which means that you can scheme to stop him. And if you are able to close up some of these gaps, he requires good route running receivers, guys that can get open for him, like Kirk Cousins, where he can throw the tight window pass. He doesn't want to, though. He wants to throw that open pass that's going to give a guy an opportunity to make plays with the ball in his hand. And Matt Rule seems to agree with me because he's been putting guys around him and, you know, developing guys around him that can do just that. And they're doing things schematically as well to get the ball out of Darnold's hands or to, you know, kind of do something gimmicky to make you think that it's not in Darnold's hands to set up other different types of plays. And really all this does is to set up guys like DJ Moore, to go over the top, over the middle, whatever. Robbie Anderson to beat you straight up vertically and maybe once in a while on a screen and just essentially get your playmakers involved. Whether or not Christian McCaffrey plays or not, it all starts with some kind of gimmicky, weird stuff at the line that's going to set up stuff later on in the season, later on in the game, because ultimately they're not going to beat you straight up one-on-one with talent, but they can get you with some you know, a natural ability. And when they're in space, they have three or four of the best playmakers in the NFL. Uh, I'm worried about McCaffrey. I am because it's not about him on the ground. I'm not worried about that as much. Um, but when they split him in the slot, uh, that's a matchup problem because he is For everyone. He is a premier route runner in the NFL, in the entire NFL, in my opinion. Um, you know, you look back at what he did at Stanford, and then there is enough tape on there out uh, or on him out there where he's lined up in the slot and he's still cooking guys i mean because they don't they, they don't put a cornerback on him um the teams are usually trying to match up a, a linebacker with him and most of the time a linebacker is just not going to keep up with mccaffrey so 
that's um that's where I see a concern here. If the if well, a if if McCaffrey plays, which I believe it's it see sounds like it's trending that way. Um, I would be worried about how the Vikings would handle that while also keeping in check DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, which is a a kind of an underrated wide receiver duo across the league. So I will say this that Robbie Anderson is a good player, but he also is the type of player who can disappear by himself. He doesn't need someone's help to disappear. He's been doing this basically his entire career, where if you ever had him on your fantasy team, you know that every once in a while, he just kind of takes a week off. And it's not necessarily that he's actively not working hard or something like that. It's just that his performance does not reflect the work that went into whatever he's doing. He can just be a guy that's not there for an entire game. He might have one catch for 11 yards. He might have seven catches for 147 yards. But most, like a lot of the time here is my point is, is that you can cover this guy up schematically. DJ Moore can't do that as much. Christian McCaffrey, obviously, it's impossible. He's going to touch the ball 20 to 30 times a game if he's fully healthy. If you're a Vikings fan, you pray that he's healthy because, of course, you want you know to get the team's best effort, but you hope that he's not quite there yet and you get a mix of Chuba Hubbard as well, who is a nice player. Don't get me wrong. No McCaffrey. He, no one's McCaffrey. No one. He's as Le'Veon Bell in, what, 2014-15 as you're going to find in terms of being serviceable as both a running back and a wide receiver and really serviceable as putting it lightly. He's really he's an elite all pro. Both. Yeah, he's, he's an all pro between the tackle and he's an all pro catching the football. And when he's in space one on one, how many guys do you trust to get past the guy one on one? I mean, Derrick Henry goes through you. McCaffrey goes around you, through you, out improvises you. I mean, he's smart with the football in his hand and chooses great angles. He's just as dangerous as they, as they come once he's in open space. And really, a lot of what they do schematically is to set you up to do that. And really, it just takes one mistake, one out of the 11 guys in the Vikings defense, looking at you, Bashad Breeland, to be in the wrong spot and miss a tackle. And all of a sudden, these you know six-yard screens or whatever are going for six, six points in the other direction. That is a point I didn't consider a screen game, uh, especially with him. Um, now, I do want to mention again vikings defense has been pretty lights out for 10 quarters now Dude, in a row. this is a real test this is count as a real test if mccaffrey plays yeah i mean how much sure. stock do we you take know, away from playing yeah, the, i think the, cleveland was a real test i mean that's a that's a pretty darn good offense they put up 47 against la chargers yep. or 42 it was um uh so you know i, I think this vikings defense is certainly, certainly turning a corner i'm not uh concerned too much about the Panthers offense. I think they'll get theirs to a degree, but I'm not worried about Sam Darnold lining up this team. You know, I think Jared Goff and Sam Darnold are comparable in terms of how dangerous they are. Uh, you know, I think the Panthers offense has more playmakers available, especially McCaffrey plays in Detroit had to offer you know, with Goff. But I think that the game plan doesn't have to change too much in terms of attacking Goff, attacking Darnold. Um, Vikings got really creative with stunts, rushing Jared Goff, got to him um, a few times and, and caused some missed throws. And ultimately, I think the only concern I had with the Vikings from the Lions game that might translate to the Panthers game is they weren't, they, you know, like they provided a lot of opportunities for the Lions on third and short. And it's just, it's keeping the Viking or keeping offenses out of that third and short as much as possible, um, which I think, you know, comes with uh you know that early down execution that could get a little bit better but i'm uh i'm not that worried about about the panthers offense to be quite honest with you and maybe it's just uh, the confidence level i have in the defense has risen extremely um over the last 
two plus games here. Um, I think I don't think they're 2017 back, but I think they're, you know, getting back to where Zimmer is, is respected in the league as one of those premier defensive coaches kind of lost that respect a little bit last year. I think he's regaining it now. Absolutely. So you look at the way that this entire offense is composed right across the board. We've talked about a couple of individual playmakers. We probably didn't give enough time to uh, DJ Moore specifically, who is, you know, in the process of potentially a breakout type season where he start being mentioned with that top 15 core receivers. But outside of him and if McCaffrey plays, of course, you know, it comes down to Robbie Anderson. This is an offensive line that is OK. I wouldn't say these guys are going to bully you, uh, but they're solid. And that's kind of how I feel about Sam Darnold and kind of what we got to with Darnold as well. So what it comes down to here is basically stopping DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. And if you use the kind of the Bill Belichick school of thought in terms of erase the one best player from that offense, and that's going to give you an opportunity to win. Carolina is really set up to be beaten by that style, right? If it's just, if you could take Christian McCaffrey out of the game or if he eliminates himself with injury, you have a really good chance to beat this team. They have a much less likely, much less likely chance of scoring that 21 to 28 point range. If you can just navigate away to hold McCaffrey to, you know, a hundred total yards and maybe a single score, they just don't have enough offensively outside of that one individual player because their quarterback is limited to being a guy who can facilitate the football instead of making guys better than they actually are. Uh, so Patrick Peterson's going to have a day, but if he can contain DJ more than this really comes down to, well, Eric Kendricks, how good can you cover? Are you the best coverage linebacker in the NFL? And if the Vikings are forced into a situation where they have to put a slot cornerback on Christian McCaffrey, who's that going to be? Is it Mackenzie Alexander? Because I like those odds right now because he's playing about as good as I've ever seen him play. So McCaffrey, McCaffrey, I don't know which guy is specifically to be in to be the one-on-one, I think you end up using some combination of a bracket where you're zoning up and you're also putting someone on him as well, which means if you go one man in coverage, Anthony Barr, Kendricks, and McCaffrey, then you have some sort of help underneath in zone, whether that's a slot cornerback that's covering the shading and area, whether that's someone over the top to you know stop the wheel route going long. Um, basically, if you can contain him with one guy in a zone and one guy in man coverage and then try to just essentially – hold, contain, keep everything in front of you, and you're going to have a good opportunity to beat this game. Easy, Easier said than done, of course, but that's the method to the madness here. If you can slow down Christian McCaffrey, you're going to have a really good chance mm-hmm. here. Then, of course, it flips to the offensive side of the football where this is the kind of the third week in a row where I feel like Kirk is the better signal caller under center, right? You've got Jared Goff yeah. last week, and then two weeks ago was Baker Mayfield. Before that, a lot more debatable with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. But the last three weeks, the guy under center as the better one of the two has played for the Vikings, which to me, that signals that you should be betting on this team to win. If you have the better, most important player, I think he gives you a real opportunity to win this football game. And while this defense is good, and while there are a couple of nice playmakers on it, I do have expectations for Kirk as well. 
If the Panthers think they're good and they need to beat, quote, bad teams that are two and three like the Vikings, well, the same can be said about teams like Kirk Cousins. If you think you're better than two and three, well, you got to beat three and two teams like Carolina who are kind of on that brink of being a wild card contender. And this is a real opportunity here because I think that the defense can contain the offense enough based off their recent performance, based off of you know Mike Zimmer's knowledge and mastery of his scheme. That if you can get enough from your offense with Kirk Cousins this week, if he can come back to that week one through three form, I think the Vikings, you know, have the edge here going on the road. Um, I guess a quality opponent. Yeah, I, I think you you nailed it. That was a that was the point I was going to make. It really is. This is a game that the Vikings should win. Um, if they're this competitive, um, you know, trying to win now type mode right now, you know, you win this game. Uh, I think this defense is is surprisingly, you know, I think it's, it's a pleasant surprise for Panthers fans this year. Now, like I mentioned before, I think they've benefited from the schedule they've played a little bit in that regard where they have, you know, the offenses that they've played for the most part. I know one of them was Dallas and they gave up 38. Um, but other than that, they've mostly held opponents in check and um, you know, they've played Houston, they played the jets, um, you know, so that that's, those are, um, you know, I don't know if those count per se or not, but there's some athletes on this defense. You know, Shaq Thompson was a guy I think we both really liked way back in the day when he was just um, just getting into the league. Yeah. Um, you know, Hassan Reddick has made some plays in his career. Um, and I don't know if we'll see CJ Henderson or not. It was the was it last year or two years ago where he was drafted by uh, Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Um, unluckily for the Vikings, Stefan Gilmore will not be suiting up in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he still on the pup list? But th- there are some good players on this team and uh, a sneaky good defense that, uh, you know, in a way. So I, we talked a little bit about how Dan Campbell has Detroit playing hard, playing gritty. You know, I don't think Carolina has that defensively quite to the level Detroit has, but I think Carolina's where their edge comes from is just a little bit better talent uh, versus Detroit. So either way, the, the off while I'm, while I'm, while I'm, you know, high on the defense right now, I'm concerned about the offense, not putting up a lot of points last week, struggling against the Browns week before that they need to make a statement here against Carolina. You have to rebound after those two bad games. You have to put up some points. You have to get into a rhythm. You have to take those shots down the field. I think while I, you know, I like some of their cornerbacks or their secondary players, I think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen can eat them up if they're one-on-one. I think you get aggressive early on and you put together that game plan. I saw Zimmer had basically assigned his offensive coaching staff to kind of do some self-scouting over the last couple of games and see what's going wrong and try to identify, uh, you know, some different ways to beat that and put together a little bit more complex plan this week. So I'm hoping that's the case because I think this team is beatable. And, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm sick of the Vikings kind of, underperforming uh which i think they have for most of the season here at least to kind of what i think this team can do on both sides yeah and that's that's really the driving force here is that if you think the vikings are a good football team then you got to beat other good football teams i don't think carolina is an elite football team you look up and down their defense of course drew mentioned a couple of those names i do love shaq thompson my goodness, he is everything I thought he was going to be when he was a prospect in 2015. And if you remember, he was actually the guy I think that the Vikings were honing in on, but they lost out on him to Carolina. And as a result, they ended up with Kirk, with Eric Kendricks, who was a different type of coverage linebacker and the better of the two, of course. I think we're all very happy with what, ha- what played out there. 
But Thompson has become as good of a coverage linebacker as you're going to see in across the NFL. Um, he's very, very good in space, extremely good in coverage, and that'll be interesting for what the Vikings like to do underneath. I, I'll be curious to see what Tyler Conklin's role looks like this week. I do think this becomes kind of an outside matchup, right? Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, like Drew mentioned, that's one-on-one -on -one coverage with Dante Jackson, who's, I think, supremely underrated at cornerback, and then a rookie in Keith Taylor. Now, if you trust that Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are both, you know, one a one B type caliber receivers. Someone is always going to be open this game. One of those two guys is going to be there because Keith Taylor, as good as a rookie as he might be, he's still a rookie. You trust your number one to get open in one-on-one -on -one coverage. So I think Carolina is going to end up scheming you up in zone because I don't think they have enough of the, I don't think they have enough talent on the outside to go straight and man across the board. And I don't really think that Phil Snow has the balls to do that against the Vikings offense that has multiple playmakers, especially if Dalvin cook is able to play as well too. I think they have to scheme you up in zone. And I don't know a lot about Phil Snow. I'll be the first one to admit it. Former Baylor defensive coordinator. I'm sorry. That doesn't scare me very much. When you're, when your resume shows that you came to the NFL from playing from coaching Baylor's defense, you're going to have to show me something before I start believing you. They run a, tr a traditional 4-3 four, three, four, three defense. They've got a number of different playmakers. I think the guy to keep an eye on across the entire board, if you know where this guy is, you can kind of figure out where the ball is going to flow, and that's Jeremy Chin, uh, the safety, who kind of comes up and will play a little bit of a box linebacker role as well. You might see him at slot cornerback too. Uh, he's a dangerous player. He's a player that once he gets the ball in his hands, he can take it the distance the other direction. So keep an eye on him specifically. Didn't he do that twice last year against the Vikings? I'm pretty yeah, sure he, he did. did. Yeah, so you should be familiar with Jeremy Chin already. Um, but really, with the exception of him, Thompson and then Dante Jackson. I mean, you've got a couple of other nice players like Brian Burns as well as a pass rusher. I don't think he's as good of, as a player at the NFL level as many projected him to be, at least to date. And I think you like a couple other guys, Derek Brown, fine. Hassan Reddick, like you said, fine. But to me, it's challenging the secondary and exposing their weakness. A cornerback is only as good as the one player that he's able to cover. Like Jalen Ramsey's great, but he can only take away one player. That's it. And the Vikings are in a position where you got two and you're not facing Jalen Ramsey this week. You're facing Dante Jackson, who's a nice player. He's not the best in the world. He's beatable. And as a result, he's going to yeah. take out Jefferson or Thielen. The opposite side is going to be open all day long. I think KJ Osborne's probably in for some work as well. This should be a game where the Vikings should be able to go, you know, horse. They should be able to go vertical. They should be able to run the football. And they should be able to kind of dink and duck down the field, just dodging their way through Jeremy Shin and Jack Thompson, I think. Just take some more shots. They're 31st in the league at they do 20, that, right? 20 yards or more air yards down the field. They have to. I'm with the personnel that they have. That's kind of what I'm watching. I want, and I don't care if they go like over the top with it, where they, it's almost like a sarcastic response from Kubiak. It's like, oh, if you guys want me to toss it 20 yards down the field, I, I, I'll do it every other play. That's fine. Do it. You know, that when you have just Jefferson and Kirk Cousins, who are arguably they're I would say they're both top five in the league at, you know, executing 20 plus yard plays, Jefferson on his routes and high pointing the deep pass, Cousins throwing the deep ball. Why are you not using that more often? Um, it's baffling to me. I do think that's a large part of why this offense has struggled the last few weeks. And that's the thing with Thielen, too. He that that guy can can run those deep routes too. He's not maybe straight line speed or doesn't have that, that quickness that he used to, but the guy is still premier wide receiver. So that's, 
that's the one thing I'm looking for in this game. The Vikings are aggressive with it uh, down the field. Give Kirk that opportunity to, to unleash a little bit. I think they can really win this game. So how good of odds do you think the Vikings have to win? I think that we're kind of moving in the direction here to our picks here. Uh, I think we covered most of our bases. We didn't mention Tommy Tremble, the rookie tight end. He's been in the end zone a couple times the last few weeks. Maybe keep an eye out for him as well. But outside of that, I think we covered our bases pretty well. No Pat Elfline this week. He's on IR. This is where he ended up, by the way, in Carolina um, after lo- after you know, leaving the Vikings. And of course, no JC Horn, the you know premier rookie that was drafted in the first round. He's also on IR. So you will miss out on the opportunity to see those guys. Is that enough? Um, can the Vikings get it done this week? I think we've given reasons for both. You know, you've got McCaffrey potentially going to play. He's one of the most explosive playmakers in the league. Let's be real. None of us know if, how, when, whatever, will the Vikings be able to contain Christian McCaffrey? That's the big question here. And it's really the decisive question, because if you can contain them, I think the Vikings have a real shot. So do the Vikings get it done this week, or is there something here that could prohibit the team outside of what they did last week against Detroit in terms of just kind of giving up? If they play a full four quarters of football and try to drive the offense downfield and score points this week, should they? are they going to win this football game? Should we, do we have a reason to be excited? So... Now, I don't have the numbers on this, and maybe somebody can correct me in the comments or, or, or you know, roast me on Twitter for it, but I feel like under Zimmer, the Vikings have responded very well um, when they've had a clunker of a game uh, throughout his history. Um, and I, that again, that's more of a hunch right now, but I'm just off the top of my head, I can think of several examples where the Vikings go out and get absolutely embarrassed one week. They come back stronger the next week as if nothing happened. So something with Zimmer and the way he's able to respond and manage his team, manage his staff, um, and get them back on the right track seems to work. And with that being said, I think they'll respond really well this week to that. I think the defense will keep up what it's doing. And I think the offense will get a little bit of a kick in the butt here and they'll respond strongly and win this game. How much stock do you put into the momentum I know as fans, we didn't care for the way the Vikings ended the, the football game last week against Detroit, right? It was a gross way yeah. to have to I don't think that win. matters. I think, think so? I don't, I don't, I, I know this, this is a whole analytics conversation where, you know, the analytics people say momentum doesn't matter within the game. Um, and this, we're talking about game to game. So yeah. I don't think game to game, you, you'll see a lot of it. I think you, I mean, you get a whole week of preparation in between and, and things like that. I don't think the momentum game to game matters. Uh, I do think there's something to be said about momentum within a game, but uh, week to week, I think when, you know, the the balls kicked off um, on Sunday, I don't think any of the Vikings players, coaches will be thinking about the way the Lions game ended. I'm curious if positively speaking, I mean, when you write a high like that, we've seen that go in two different directions, right? Of course, you know, with the Minneapolis miracle, we saw what happened the next week with that. We've also seen teams throughout NFL history. I think the Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco and their run is probably the best example of this, where you have just highlight moment after highlight moment. And that kind of spirit in a sense carries you. And the Vikings, you know, while they did win suspiciously, they also won on a 55 yard field goal, which is pretty nice. Right. That's a pretty exciting way to win a game. I think they can give you a little bit of a boost. I, I I'm kind of with you. I don't really think that's a factor here. I think the Vikings are just overall the the better football team. I, 
I don't can't believe I'm saying that myself to be to be honest with you, but I, I would rather have the Vikings roster composition on October, you know, what was it, October 13th, 2021, than I would Carolina. Uh, because I think that Kirk I think that Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback here. And to me, that's the ultimate difference because I think the Vikings have enough defensively, they're healthy enough. Now, if you've seen the injury report, there's some scares there and there's some things that could spiral and could you know directly change this perception. But if the Vikings are healthy, they've got more pieces defensively, they're more complete offensively, and they've got better one-on-one matchups that basically if the trenches can hold and the pass rush has been as good as we've seen it recently. Um, and the offensive line, you know, mm-hmm. if I don't know if Darisov is going to be in there or not, but the offensive line has been a solid bright spot as well, particularly Brian O'Neill once again. But you've got some nice pieces there where I feel like you can win in the trenches this week, and I think you got the better quarterback. So to me, this is Minnesota's game to lose despite playing on the road. And it's an opportunity to get back to 500. I think the Vikings are hungry for that. Um, and I think that ultimately I think the Vikings are better than the record says they are. I think they're closer to being above 500 than below 500 football team. I think they kind of regress to the mean in a sense and more, I guess, ascend to the mean in this sense. But I think they're yeah. going to be a 500 football team after this game. So I'm going to go Minnesota as well. Uh, they take this one on the road. Um, I hope they take this one on the road. They need this one. This is a this is a mm-hmm. must have game for this football team. So, um, both of us are rolling with Minnesota. I guess I don't think I didn't think that we get there at the beginning of this week, but after talking through this a little bit, after doing my kind of my weekly research before the show, I feel pretty comfortable with this one, and I think uh, I think we might be able to pull this one out. So, all right, let's get into the rest of our picks for week number six. Last week I went twelve and four. Drew went nine and seven. Cumulatively fifty three and twenty seven for me. Forty five and thirty five for Drew. So I got a little bit of an edge through five weeks here. Plenty of time to make that up. Um, starting with Thursday night football, which on paper looks like a really fun game. And I and I want to say this too that NFL primetime, specifically Thursday night football, which is has typically been kind of an eyesore in recent years has been excellent this entire year every matchup even the Jaguars on Thursday night football against Cincinnati that tended ended up being a really fun football game so props to the NFL for I don't know I don't think they did anything but this is a very balanced league this year and it's providing a lot of fun primetime matchups and I think that's what Tampa Bay and Philadelphia is going to be while Tampa Bay is of course I think the definitively more uh, Super Bowl ready football team. Philadelphia's got a lot of fun talent and they've got a lot of fantasy talent too. In terms of fantasy matchups, you know, Jalen Hurts is a lot of fun to watch in that regard. Devontae uh, Smith. Devontae Smith, the rookie, of course, has been excellent. And then he gets to go up against Tom Brady and every single asset that he's got working for him, except for Rob Gronkowski. It should be a fun one. Yeah, I, I'm hesitantly picking Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of things about Tom Brady in primetime games lately, and it's not great. Um, I think it's something like 10 straight where the, his team has not covered the spread in primetime games. Uh, so something to watch if you're a gambler. Now this is straight <laughs> up. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tampa uh, straight up. But um, I do think this will be a close game if that trend continues. Yeah, I'm going to take Tampa as well. I think ultimately what this comes down to is I feel like I know who the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are and they're 2020 NFL champions, whereas Philadelphia, I'm not sure. 
Like some weeks I think they're terrible. Like I think they're a top five pick team. They were terrible for three quarters last week. And then they yeah. showed up and they won a game. They probably shouldn't have. Exactly. So I don't know who they are. And I think I know who Tampa is. So I'm going to pick Tampa, their safer pick here. So both of us are rolling with Tampa on Thursday night, which brings us to Sunday in London, I believe. Dude, I've been seeing a lot of jokes about this lately on Twitter, and I, it's so true. Like, London's got to sue for the matchups that they're getting. I did see the stat. I think this is now the 28th game in a row. Well, I think there's only been 20. This is the 28th game in London, I believe, of the NFL London series. And not once has it featured two teams with a winning record. Yeah, and that's exactly what they're going to get again this week. Last week, of course, Atlanta and the New York Jets, which proved to be relatively exciting, you know, if if you're like that, right? Uh, this week, you get Miami and Jacksonville. Urban Meyer going to London. That's just what the NFL needs right now is for another story to break about something happening in London. You got two bad football teams. Tua Tagovailoa does return to the matchup here. Uh, I think it's a real opportunity for Trevor Lawrence to get his first win as a professional. He's 0-5 to start. Uh, does that happen this week? Yep, I got Jacksonville um, just because I think eventually they're going to win a game. And Miami just isn't very inspiring right now. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Because Miami was really like the last two years, I felt like they ended on a high note and they were trending in the right direction. But the one move that really mattered for them, picking a quarterback, appears to have failed. I I, I think the jury isn't out just yet on Tua, but he's got to stay healthy and he's going to start making some bigger plays. And it starts this week here against a bad team. I'm going to take Jacksonville as well. I think it's the trendy pick. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Lawrence, yeah. Lawrence needs a win. He's been playing better football lately. I don't think that Miami forces as many turnovers as the traditional defense. Uh, I think he gets it done this week. He gets his first win. Jacksonville for both of us. All right. Uh, this is primetime caliber uh, in terms of NFC North opponents. That is Green Bay and Chicago face off at Soldier Field this week. Aaron Rodgers statistically dominant against the Bears. Justin Fields, statistically, the only rookie quarterback with a winning record so far this season. Uh, should be a pretty fun matchup. I think Chicago's improving. I still have a lot of questions, though. Yeah, the Packers are winning this game. Packers, look, uh, I, they struggled last week at Cincinnati. Fair enough. Um, they'll they'll win this game. It took, it took how many missed kicks from Crosby for that to even be a game. So, uh, give me the Packers. Yeah, I'm taking Green Bay as well. Um, I'm not really sure who Green Bay is yet, but I know they're a good football team, right? I just don't know if they're a top five football team. To me, they're more in that six to eight range right now than in that same range with, you know, the Chargers, the Bills, et cetera. Uh, But this is the type of game where it really matters in terms of winning the division, right? If you can Mm -hmm. deal a blow to the Bears right now, you're basically cruising to the NFC North title unless the Vikings find a way to win against Carolina this week. So I think it's a game that they don't need to have, but I think it's the type of game that Aaron Rodgers needs to have. And I think we're going to get an Aaron Rodgers traditional performance against Chicago. And I think Green Bay is going to win this one pretty convincingly. So honestly, Justin Fields, it's just not good enough to keep up just yet. I don't think it's the week that he becomes that guy either. So Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for me. All right. Uh, Next one here, Joe Burrow heads to Detroit. Now, I kind of feel bad for Detroit at this point because they're playing well enough to win, even if the teams that they're playing at against are not playing great football, Baltimore, Minnesota specifically. But now they got to face Cincinnati, who's kind of been the lucky team this year, right? Like the ball has bounced the right way for them. Last week, they should have won because Crosby missed four field goals or three field goals or whatever it was. Um, 
I think they should get out of Detroit with the win. But at some point, the bounce has to fall back to Detroit, right? Like they got to get a win at some point. That's too. I, the way you explain that too. I didn't think back like Cincinnati, like even that Jacksonville game should not have won that one. They were right. trailing most of that game. Got a couple lucky bounces. Um, They've gotten superhero uh, performances for Burrow to dig them out of some holes this year. I'm going to go, I'll go Cincinnati here. Um, reluctantly again, because I do like the kind of the, the energy and the grit that Detroit is playing with, but I'll take the Bengals here. Yeah, I'm going to take Cincinnati as well, but I do think that this is the type of game where um, if you're going to – like money line, I'm taking the Bengals, but maybe the spread, I might take Detroit because, I mean, they got to win at some point, man. Like, they're, they're, they're fighting hard enough to win. They just don't have the talent right now. And I hate to say that to Dan Campbell because, like, I feel like he knows, you know, like he's doing enough to win football games and he should be the coach next year. But they just don't have enough right now. They need like two mm-hmm. years of draft picks before we can yeah. really judge who they are. And I, unfortunately, Cincinnati went through this process like two years ago. And this is the product. And I think it's better than Detroit right now. So give me Cincinnati as well. All right. <clears throat> Next one here is Houston at the Indianapolis Colts. Just a couple of years ago, this was a really fun matchup, right? Sean Watson, uh, Colts being one of the premier defenses, generally getting very good quarterback play as well. Now it's kind of boring, man. Like I say, this is an, a traditional AFC South. I'm an NFC North fan, so I don't really care type of matchup for me. It's the Colts. That, the yeah. Texans are just I mean. They got everything they could out of Davis Mills last week, and the Patriots beat them. So I got the Colts. Yeah, and the Colts looked really good, by the way, against the Ravens. So yeah, but they still still find a way to loss, and excuse me, find a way to loss. Still find a way to lose that football game against the Ravens when. Let's be real. They should have won that one, too. Uh, I'm going to take Indianapolis here. They're the better football team. I don't really need to speak more to that, but I keep an eye on it because I think Indianapolis is kind of one of those bad luck teams this year as well. All right. The next one here is the Rams and the Giants. Daniel Jones might not even play. I don't think we even need to talk Rams. about this one. Yeah, Rams get get it going. Keep it going, I should say. Uh, Kansas City and Washington. I think that this is the type of game that generally we kind of overlook and just say Chiefs, but like I do want to make a note that if the Chiefs lose this one, they're in real trouble. So, like, is it possible that Taylor um, Heineke I, the uh, I, I want to pick the Washington, but I got to go with the Chiefs. Now, I say it every week, oh, I'm going to pick the Chiefs against everybody, but they're two and three, man. So maybe I need to rethink that strategy because they, uh, I, don't, I mean, that defense is horrendous, man. I mean, that's a terrible, terrible defense. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say is that it, having a terrible defense against a team like Washington, I do love Heineke. But this isn't a forty-point team. Like you can, you can boat race this team and win forty-two to thirty-five or whatever if you need to. So, um, I'm going to take Kansas City as well. I mean, I still think they're a top-five team in the NFL. They got to work some things out defensively, like you said. But against Washington, even on the road, just get out of there without any injuries, man. I, mm-hmm. I pray, I pray for that. So, uh, Kansas City for both of us. <clears throat> All right, next one here might be the best one on the docket for the weekend. That is the Los Angeles Chargers and the and the Baltimore. Ravens, which should be really fun coming off of two highly intense matchups in which both of those teams were able to clinch a victory. Of course, Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football coming back down 22 to three, uh, probably saving a lot of your guys' fantasy matchups as well, or killing you um, if you had to play against him, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, etc. Uh, and then on the flip side, you got Justin Herbert, who really looks the part right now. I mean, this guy looks like an MVP. Uh, everything that people were concerned about, he seems to be proving wrong. 
and he won maybe the most entertaining game of the football season last week against Cleveland by a score of, was it 47 to 42 or something like that? Uh, ridiculous game. One of the most fun football games I've watched all season long. And I think this one should be a good one as well. So you get a full-on, basically MVP candidate versus MVP candidate in Herbert, Jackson, and the rest of these playmakers on both sides of their teams. I'm taking the Ravens. I mean, this is mostly a pick the team at home game. Uh, that's the, really the only reason here. I don't I mean, I think these teams are very evenly matched. Um, you know, a lot of firepower on both offenses. Defenses have a lot of talent. You can create turnovers. Uh, but I, I'll just pick the home team for the sake of that's the, really the only advantage I see in this one. Have the Chargers convinced you that they're not the old Chargers that loses football games in horrendous fashion yet? Maybe. Uh, maybe that's how this game ends. Um, I guess we have yet to see something that bad this year. Like they held their own. I feel like that first game against Washington is probably one the old Chargers would have lost, uh, but they held strong and, and took that win. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of getting past that slowly but surely. I think I'm past it. Um, I do have concerns with Tristan Vizcaino still being employed. I think he's True. missed a couple of extra points and a very key one last week specifically. I'm going to roll with the Chargers here. I'm going to I'm gonna ride this hot streak. Um, I think they're a great football team top to bottom. Derwin James, really, really fun. Glad to have him back in the NFL this year, playing five positions this season, by the way. Uh, crazy football player, just absolutely insane. So I'll take the Chargers. I think this will be the fun, most fun matchup of the, of the week, potentially. I'm glad that we're on the opposite sides of it. Um, next one here is probably the greatest contender for, you know, other matchup that you should watch, and that's Arizona at Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, of course, two former Oklahoma Sooners. They've got fun offensive players all around here. Superstars from DeAndre Hopkins to Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, this is a star-studded game with a lot of high-profile players from high-profile universities matching up in a, you know, I don't want to say this is, you know, a Super Bowl preview, but if it were two other teams, if this was, you know, a Kansas City that was 5-0, and and, you know, the Buffalo Bills who were four and one, we'd be talking about AFC championship preview. Yeah. This feels like that same type of thing. It's just no one really believes Cleveland and Arizona is real. This gives them, this game gives them the opportunity for both teams to say, hey, we're like, we're for real here. Like, we're not just joking around. Yeah. I like the Browns in this game. I think uh, Arizona is showing kind of with each week on most of those flaws, with the exception of that, rate, that Rams game. But um, I think the, the Browns and their kind of, modern but also old school at the same time approach offensively with all the different play action stuff they do but also all of the ground and pound that they do can wear this defense down enough to to get them to win i'm going to take arizona i don't really have a good reason for that i think cleveland played really well last week and kind of the questions that we were asking just two weeks ago about baker mayfield aren't press as present anymore given what he was able to do last week uh, i know he didn't win last week but uh, you know, a great performance nonetheless in keeping his team in action. I believe he was the first quarterback ever to, you know, lead his team to 40 plus points without a turnover or something like that and still lose. So he's due, right? The odds are in his favor, but I'm going to take Arizona this week. Um, I, it's just a hunch. I don't really have mm -hmm. something to support that. I'm just going to take Arizona to move to, you know, continue being the only perfect team in the NFL this season. <clears throat> All right. The next one here. Boy, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, what a week that they have had. And they get to head to Denver to play in the high altitude against the Broncos this week, a division opponent and division game that they really, I mean, they're, they're falling right now. They're floundering on the football field, off the field. You know, we've all read the reports and things are probably very challenging for that organization this week. Are they able to 
get a victory on the road against a quality division opponent to propel, propel them back into the right direction in that AFC West. Of course, Kansas City, Chargers, and the team that they're playing this week are all in their division as well. They need this one, and it's not exactly a great week. Yeah, I'm going Denver. I just I can't see this Raiders team uh, mentally ready for this one. So give me give me Denver. It's 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 that, and it's also just the sheer fact that when you swap out a coach, like you're going to try to employ something that's no longer there, right? Like you're not you don't have enough time to transition into what the Raiders are going to be doing offensively for the rest of the season. Just in just what four days, three days. You know, John Gruden literally left the building 72 hours ago as of this recording. They just haven't had enough time to prepare. I don't think that they're ready for a matchup against a defensive nightmare-type team, Vic Fangio defensive team. I mean, it would be great if Vegas is able to get a victory here. I wouldn't bet on it. I'm also going to take Denver. I think it's the safer pick this week. Um, but given kind of the the situation that these players have been – undeservedly forced to go through with their organization this week. You know, I feel like you're rooting for Vegas to make the most of this opportunity, but I just don't see it. I'm going to take Denver this week. I think they're the safe pick. All right. Next one here. Great matchup for national audiences, Dallas and new England. Yeah, uh, two this of the will most... be a pretty darn good money. Going to be here <laughs> that, uh, that a lot of jerseys uh, sold in this match that sure. and, and Jim Nance and Tony Romo will for sure be on this call, right? Because the CBS game, uh, that just screams a, a Nance Romo matchup. That's 325. It's too, yeah. Yeah. It's a three <laughs> yeah. o'clock game. You got the Cowboys, Romo's X team. You got the Patriots. Um, I'm going Cowboys here though. They're the better team. And I don't see, I mean, that offense is on fire and I don't see even Belichick slowing them down. Yeah. This is a reputation primetime matchup. Dallas deserves to be there. New England, nah, you're not you're not really right. a football team anymore. So I think Dallas trounces them. I know people are excited to watch the Cowboys and all their offensive playmakers, but this really isn't like a, a balanced matchup. If the Cowboys lose this one, we're talking next week about who really are the Cowboys. If they win this one, well, they're kind of, you know, they got in a little bit of a cakewalk through their division at this point, given what's happened with Philadelphia, Washington, mm-hmm. and New York in recent weeks. So they need this one, uh, and I think they should get it too. So I'm going to take Dallas. All right, last two here, Sunday night football. This is gross. I didn't even see this one. Seattle and Pittsburgh is our Sunday night football matchup. Geno Smith. Yeah, Geno Smith. So unless you got fantasy players or you're betting, uh, this is probably one that you could miss, I think. No Russell Wilson, as Drew just said. Ben Roethlisberger basically looks like he's not there. Juju Smith-Schuster, I uh, believe, is out for the season with a shoulder injury yeah. now. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm taking Pittsburgh, but I, like, I'm i with you. I might not watch this one. Yeah. If you're going to skip a Sunday night football game, this is probably it. Uh, I'm going to take Pittsburgh, too. I don't – I mean, do I have to say more than I don't think Geno Smith's a good quarterback and that Pittsburgh's a good defense? I think that's enough of a reason to lean Pittsburgh in this one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take him. I think Seattle might be toast. I think they're cooked. They're, they're in real trouble without Russell Wilson. All right. That leads us to our Monday night matchup here. This should be a fun one. Uh, Bills, Titans, your favorite AFC team. Of course, one of the most exciting teams in football as well with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs only had two catches last week. He's only, I think he's under five catches in the last four weeks too. Kind of waiting for a tantrum there. I mean, I'm I'm kidding, of course, but uh, Bills. Yeah, I, uh, I traded for him in fantasy. I'm buying low, so I'm hoping that you know, and this Tennessee defense might be worse than Kansas City. So because of that, I'm taking the Bills. Um, you know, I like the Titans. I like what they do, but that defense just every week gives me more reason to to doubt them. So um, I'll take the Bills. 
I'm going to take the Bills as well. Uh, I, my analysis of this game is basically a simple question, and then is that do you think the Buffalo Bills are the best football team in, in the National Football League right now? So I thought they were frauds before last week uh, because they hadn't played, they hadn't beaten a starting quarterback this year. Um, then they go to Kansas City and and kind of shut down that offense pretty easily. And of course, they're putting up points with, without a problem. So um, they're up there. Um, I think, honestly, it's a debate between Buffalo, between Tampa Bay, um, and between Dallas. I think those are the three teams that I think are up there. I, 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 I'm not buying Arizona yet. Um, Fair. And I think Kansas City's defense needs to step up a little bit before I consider them anymore. Yeah. Um, I think Buffalo's right up there. I mean, I, I personally, if I was making power rankings, I would say that Buffalo is the team to beat. And for that reason alone, I mean, that's why I'm picking them. I, I think the best team in the NFL, why would I not pick them? Mm-hmm. Right? So um, that's my rationale behind this one. I think that they have, this goes a lot of, you know, this game goes a long way to proving that you are in fact the best team. I mean, Tennessee's not an inferior opponent. Derrick Henry scored three touchdowns twice this year, and he's well on pace to have another 2000 yards rushing. So uh, this is not, a walk a walkthrough game for Buffalo um, and they're going to need to play, have to play well offensively and then find a way to contain that beast to get the W here on Monday night football. But um, I do think they are the best team right now. Um, I would pick them to go to the AFC championship and potentially the Super Bowl oh, yeah. at this point in the season. So that rounds out our picks for the week. Um, any last thoughts, something we missed, something that exciting that uh, you want to talk about real quick or what's up? Uh, nothing. No, I, this, again, I just, this is really, I'm, I'm watching this offensive kind of game plan here. Take some shots down the field. I'll be very upset if they reserve back or kind of re- retreat back to this kind of reserved game plan of the, the check downs and the, the short dump offs. Um, I know it's a pretty standard concern throughout the, the league where I, I think a lot of fans feel the same way about their team's offense. Um, mm-hmm. But I think especially when you have a, a Cousins and a Jefferson to use, you kind of use them. So that's, I guess, a final parting thought is just get more aggressive offensively because I think they're missing out on a lot of opportunities. Absolutely. And really, you need to take advantage of those opportunities this week. This is the opportunity where you need to make that switch, right? Uh, so let's hope the Vikings do that. Uh, and then if they do, um, I'm giving them a real chance to win. Both of us are riding with the purple this week. Uh, we ex- we're expecting, or I believe – Believe, believing that this team's going to get a W here on the road and move back to that three and three mark, head into the bye, get healthy, and then potentially, uh, you know, begin anew with Dallas in a couple of weeks here. So, got to get through Carolina first. Uh, but this is a real opportunity for the Vikings. Let's hope they get it done this weekend. Um, in the meantime, make sure to check out the rest of the Climb in the Pocket Network. You can listen to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your shows. Uh, there's live shows on the network as well. Uh, plenty of podcasts between multiple different creators as well. So if you like some, if you don't like us, you might like someone else that's creating content within the Climb in the Pocket Network. Uh, you check us out on YouTube if you prefer to watch this content. We are available there as well. And make sure to check out the Daily Norseman. Every single day they're providing insight, analysis, news updates, where to watch, etc. It's basically all the content you need in one place. And you can drop us a comment on that, uh, in that comment section as well to get through to us. We like reading those and enjoying your thoughts. So thank you as always for listening to the show. Let's uh, pray for a Vikings victory here. And we will catch you guys next week. Oh.